Welcome, everybody. I am so happy to welcome you to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Uh, for our visitors, uh, tonight is a very special evening. And if you didn't know what it was, you may say, oh, that's too much for me. But we are very happy not only to have my family and my friends and parishioners, couples I married, uh, people that are very close to me for the last 50 years, and all of you who are visiting uh, to St. Patrick's Cathedral, actually. And we have thousands of others who are virtual parishioners of the cathedral, and they are sharing this Mass with us tonight. So I'm very honored that our virtual parishioners, our actual par parishioners, and my family and friends are here. It's 50 years ago, right here, Cardinal Cook ordained me a priest. Um, we didn't have a rug in those days, so it was a little bit hard, and the, the floor was very cold as we were laying out in, in the, for the litany, but it happened exactly right where my shoe is right now. Uh, 50 years ago, it began. Uh, during, oh, thank you. For the, last, for the last week or so online, uh, my development people were very assiduous, making sure everybody knew that tonight would be tonight and we would have this celebration. And they offered the opportunity uh, for people to make a comment and send a comment online. So this is the booklet that they presented. There are 3,000 different uh, congratulatory comments. I'm so embarrassed by that, but there are three. And when they closed the books, uh, because they had to get this printed for me, uh, there were a thousand more that came in later. So th this is my virtual parishioners, and I, uh, I have it close to my heart uh, because of how uh, important uh, it is to hear that uh, I'm encouraging people to, during this COVID, to be part of our celebration. So I'm really, really happy. I'm going to talk a lot, so just be, be patient with me. 50 years ago, there were 18 of us from my class who were ordained together. The sister of, well, the two sisters of two of my classmates who have died over the years are here, so I'm very happy that they are here. They were here on the original day 50 years ago. And my family, people that have been uh, close to me for so many years, couples I've married, uh, parishioners from my first place, my second place, my new place here, are here. The virtual ether is filled with uh, many, many others who are joining us in prayer. So for me as a priest, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm not someone who enjoys talking about myself, but today I'll say a little bit about myself. Um, going, be, growing up in the 40s and 50s, uh, we, my family, lived uh, the typical life of Irish Catholic uh, Christians. Um, it was something that had, had great roots. It had a great source of pride in, in the faith that we had, in the heritage that we were part of. Uh, it was very much rooted in the Bronx, where my brothers and I grew up, after being born in Manhattan, all three of us. Uh, and it was something, it was a time where being a Catholic and eventually being a priest was something very, very strongly encouraged and loved by the people. 
not only the families, but also the peoples of the parishes. And so when my mother, my youngest brother, who, who read the second reading, Gene, was in the hospital. Uh, he, was, he had a hernia. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, Gene. He had a hernia, and my mother went to the hospital. I guess he was around three, three, or three years old, or maybe two. Um, so my mother went to the hospital to stay with him uh, during that difficult time. So her cousin came to stay with us at, uh, at our house in Washington Heights. And one day she took my brother Dave, who did the first reading, and me for a walk. And we were walking, I think it was on St. Nicholas Avenue. If it wasn't, my brother will tell me later because he's, he's very stickler for details. So suppose the story from the family is, and I never knew it until many years later, there was an Irish cop on the corner, and either the cop asked me or my cousin asked me, so Bobby, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? Naturally expecting me, looking at the Irish cop to say, well, I want to be a cop. So uh, I was five years old, and I said, I want to be a priest. Now, did I know what that meant? I don't know if I did. We went to church. I saw the priests. It was the old liturgy in Latin, and certainly at five I couldn't understand any of it, but for some reason that was something that I said, this is what I want. Now, as I grew older and I grew more sophisticated and I, and I learned about the world, I never changed. I never changed that, that desire, uh, that feeling that uh, I was called uh, to be a priest. And during the 50 years that that has been my my ministry, my reality, uh, I've never been, I've never had a moment when I said, I don't know about this. Um, have I had difficult moments? Of course, we all have. But there was never a time that I didn't say to myself uh, that I believed that the vocation I had was a true vocation. It was a true calling uh, to be a priest. Now, the priest that I have been for 50 years um, has been uh, sometimes a very, a, a very preachy, uh, sometimes very uh, formal, or like today, all dressed up in the vestments that the knights gave to me, the knights and dames. Um, but one of the great things that was, has been part of my ministry was that I was, from the very beginning, I, I understood that it was, it, was not my, it, was, it was my ministry, but it wasn't for me. It was for the people that I was serving, the people that were part of the communities that I was part of. And so when I first was ordained, I was sent to South America, and I had learned some Spanish before that, and I learned a little bit more. Then I went to the wonderful, wonderful parish of St. Catherine of Genoa. And it was a poor place, West Harlem. Uh, I was there for 28 years. So people nowadays would say, well, why were you there so long? I would always say, I was a very bad boy, so they left me there. But that wasn't, that wasn't the truth. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful place to, to serve the people. And over the years, there are many people who are from the parish. I have my four boys that I've uh, become like a foster father for, and I honor them every day by praying for them uh, each day. So when I got there, once again, I realized that it wasn't for me, it was for the people that I was serving. And I, I don't think that ever changed over the, the last 50 years. Um, when I first came here, some of my friends said, oh, you're going to have a big head. 
And I said, well, kick me if you, if you think I, if I'm acting like I have a big head or something. Uh, but it never happened. Um, and I came here to St. Patrick's. Uh, Cardinal Egan said two things to me. One was completely true, and the other was completely false. So I had been in St. Catharines, and I went to the Bronx for a lady of angels and I spent seven wonderful, well, six wonderful years, one not so good, because it was my first year away from the, my first parish. And the two places where I was, I was pastor, we had, certainly had financial problems. Uh, it wasn't, the, neither of them was an easy place. So the, first, the sentence that was completely true, no, I'm sorry, completely false, Bob, if you know Cardinal Egan, he would speak like that, Bob, um, you'll never have to worry about money again. So I, I said, wow, isn't, isn't that great? Because that would have been something I worried about very often. And then the second, which was completely true, was Bob, you're going to preach to more people in a year than most American bishops do. Now he was saying that because we were going to go on Sirius Satellite Radio and we would have the, the mass uh, broadcast uh, Monday to Friday of the week. So that was his, his matrix that he was uh, looking at, that I would have this, uh, this bully pu pulpit um, on the radio. But, as you, say, as you know, with COVID, all of a sudden St. Patrick's Cathedral being the live streaming um, center of America, pretty much, uh, my, myself and the other priests who are here, as well as his eminence, you know, preached on Sundays to between 20 and 40,000 people. So, so his statement was true, even though he didn't know exactly why it was true. All of this is to, to say that um, I have been so blessed by my parishes. And at one point, Cardinal Cook asked me to leave the parish and to uh, take on a ministry to young people, youth ministry. And so I was assigned to the Catholic Youth Organization and uh, when I first began, I said, I, I don't know if I like this. I, I like teenagers, but I don't want to have to deal with them all the time. Well, for eight years, I had that wonderful ministry, and it, was, it, it filled me with, with great um, devotion, to, to, especially when I saw the faith that so many young people exhibited when we had our different retreats, and some of them are here today. So those areas of ministry for me uh, always said to me, this is something that God wanted you to do. I have no doubt about that. And for all of these years, um, I've been trying my best, uh, but I'm I always remind myself that you are the important people. Uh, I'm there to serve you. I'm there to be uh, the priest that, that you need. I'm not there to be the priest that I want to show off, but to, to serve the people. And so for all of these years, I have been, uh, I've, I've been trying to serve people like many of you who are here who have been part of my ministry over the years, and by many people out there that are uh, able to pray because they're in the ether and we have the live stream. One last word. One day, uh, before I was ordained a priest, my father said to me, Bobby, um, we want to get you your chalice. And that was a, a common, it was the common gift of the parents to a young priest, a, a brand new priest, that they would give him his chalice. And uh, 
now. This was in the late 60s and early 70s. I said, Dad, um, you know, I, I'm going to go to different parishes and they all, always have too many chalices. So, so I don't need a chalice. I, I'll just use one that is present in, the, uh, in wherever I go. My poor father, uh, was, he was heartbroken. And, and I realized that, well, that's what Dad wanted. So I, I turned around and, and then I said, well, Dad, you know this, that uh, I, I see you want to get the chalice and I'll, and I'll get a, a chalice. But just remember my taste, it's going to be expensive. And he said, I don't, I don't care how much it costs. So uh, for priests nowadays, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you how much it costs because I, I knew it, it costs $450. I mean, that's nothing now. But in those days, it was fairly uh, expensive. And the reason I'm telling you about the chalice is that when I got it, I made sure it was something that was a little bit different. And when I, and you'll see it, we're going to be using it at, the, at this mass. It's, uh, it, it looks, it's a mixture of silver and aluminum. Um, and then there's some gold on, on, the, uh, on the inside. But I got it like that because I didn't want anything fancy. It's very simple. And that's been the signature of what I've been trying to do for all of these years. Now, do I get fancy dressed up? Sometimes I do. But uh, the bottom line for me has always been that I am here to serve, to serve people like yourselves, people out in, in the ether, and to serve the church, to be faithful, uh, to be honest, to be loving, and to be kind. I've been trying to do that for 50 years. Please pray. I don't want 50 more years, but pray that I continue to try to do all of those things. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.